So we're here with the CEO of Flint Communications, Mr. Roger Ryerson, and we're excited to have him on to ask him a few questions here. And we know you're a super busy guy, so thanks for finding the time to come on today. We really appreciate it. So we're going to start out about your early life, like in high school and stuff. So like, where are you from? Well, let's make a correction first. As of October 1st, I'm no longer the CEO. Really? Uh, I've uh, taken on the executive chairman role, and okay. uh, we have a new CEO uh, that started October 1st. So uh, my, my role has changed a little bit. Okay, oh. so we'll get into that later then. So uh, where are you from? I'm then? from Thief River Falls, Minnesota, not, not far away. Uh, grew up uh, there and uh, went to school at UND for a while, and then in Bemidji State, and uh, found a job, took a job in Thief River at a small ad agency. Uh, moved here so my wife could finish uh, college with the idea that I'd be here for a few years and move on and fell in love with Fargo and the business I was in and and I've uh, been here ever since so it's been about 43 years worth. That's awesome, that's awesome. Um, were you a good student going through school? Uh, good, how do you define good? I mean if you like, average, yeah. yeah if average, good is average, okay. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I would say that. I, uh, you know, I had my uh, Favorites, like everybody uh, does going through school, great, or certain classes I did great at, and then I had to take classes like Latin, which, uh, you know, was yeah, not yeah. to my favorite. So yeah, it's like the business classes you were good at. The business classes I loved, mathematic classes I loved that area, and some of the other ones uh, weren't, well, I wasn't as interested yeah. in, so. Yeah, yeah. I feel that. So what led you to Bemidji State, then? So I went to school uh, uh, for a semester at UND, and, and actually they changed the out-of-state uh, tuition Oh, really? uh, reciprocity wow. so my tuition went quite sky high and I transferred them to Bemidji State uh, my brother went to school there and I knew knew a few friends that were over there so uh, and uh, they had a pretty good uh, uh, finance and business management classes over there that I saw so that's what took me to Bemidji that's cool um, how did you like it there oh I love Bemidji Bemidji is you know it's a Great campus, yeah. right on the lake, uh, a lot of activities mm -hmm. uh, uh, to take. I brought my snowmobile with me, so we had uh, a lot of fun over there. Did some ice fishing, all the stuff that you know comes with going to a yeah. college. But uh, uh, loved a few of the professors I had, kind of sent me in the direction uh, that, I, that I went. I went there to uh, get into the finance uh, area, okay. which is one side of the brain, and then got into the creative side and the men in some of the other classes. And kind of started drifting that direction, which brought me into the uh, advertising marketing world. Yeah, but Midgey's like one of those places, like if you like love the outdoors, and then that's like a good place for you, because I have a friend there, and he just loves like hunting and fishing and stuff, and so he loves it at Bemidji. So yeah. were there any like specific classes? I know you're talking about that, and like teachers that led you to where you are today. Yeah, I mean, I'd, I like I say, I went over there with finance, kind of that. Uh, my right. my dad was in the banking business. My brother's in the banking business, and so I kind of had that in my uh, in my heritage, and so I went there with that. Then I started taking some electives. Uh, I took a business law class, which I really loved, and I, t I went towards a little more business management right. classes. Then I started taking marketing and advertising classes, and some of those mass com. Uh, classes that were there and kind of really drifted more towards that as a passion that I liked doing instead of the other ones I, I kind of knew, but I didn't like it as much. Mm -hmm. So this was a new area for me and uh, ended up getting a job. Um, well, my, my first job out of college, I actually went to Arizona and I worked in the golf business for a little really? bit, but then I got a 
call and got a job at an ad agency, which was kind of the top of my mind. But I went there as the business manager and uh, a small agency and I kind of drifted over to kind of the account management and creative side a little bit, which then led me uh, to Fargo and the job here. That's cool. Wow. Um, at the at Bemidji State, did you have any internships? Yes, I did. I, and uh, I actually interned at a bank, oh, uh, yeah. savings and loan. Uh, for one semester, and uh, when I was thinking that was my direction, uh, and kind of that's what made me change my direction <laughs> a little bit because all of a sudden I'm at this bank and I'm interning there, and I've uh, I've got to uh, be a, a teller uh, for part of that, and it had to add up at the end of every night. You know, you had to be within a, right on. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And one morning, one night, I think I figured out about ten cents off or something. I had to stay an extra time to try find <laughs> the ten cents. I said, "Can I just put it in the till?" <laughs> No, you can't do that. So I thought, okay, this isn't for me. I've got to find something a little different than this. Yeah, it's interesting just because, like, we're we're trying to find internships right now, and it seems like such an important thing to to have under your belt graduating from school. How important was was that experience, though, to, like, just get out there? Yeah, no, it was good. I I learned a lot about the business relationship and having a boss, uh, working with other team members. Uh, you know, being responsible for what you're doing because it impacts everybody else around you. So I think uh, uh, internship gives you that, other than, you know, the jobs you have in the summer when you're going to college, mm-hmm. but this gave you the first, gave me the first real business sense of, you know, what I probably am moving my world into after college. Yeah, yeah. So then did you, uh, did you have a job lined up right when you graduated then? No, I didn't. No. Uh, you know, I, I graduated and I got in my car and Drove to uh, Arizona, got a job, golf. Uh, yeah, golf. but not for very long. Oh, yep. For every one of me looking for a job in the world, there are 300 just like me trying to do it. And I thought, okay, this is a long road. Yeah. My game wasn't right. good enough to be a playing <laughs> person. You know, I was looking more for the uh, golf club management st- uh, stuff, which I did in high school. I managed a golf course up in Thief River during the summer. So I kind of had that in my background. Yeah. But uh, things turned out well. I, I ended up yeah. in a good spot. Yeah. So if you could send yourself a message from when you were back in college, what advice would you give yourself? You know, I, I, would, uh, I would say if you, if you don't have a real feel for where you want to go, experiment. I mean, mm-hmm. take a lot of electives, take a lot of classes, find out where your passion is. You know, I started out with an idea, this is where I was going to go because I had good grades in the finance mm-hmm. area and the accounting area. And... As I started taking electives and seeing my way through, follow your passion. Uh, it makes life so much better in the long run mm-hmm. if you're doing what you love to do. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree with that. Um, so you, you joined Flint Group in uh, 1976. Like, how was the hiring process for that? Like, can you describe how like, that went? Yeah, like what led you to that job? Um you know, I was working at this smaller agency up in Thief River Falls, and uh, a friend of mine, I, I, I played in a swing band up there also, and the guy who directed the swing band had a friend in Alexandria whose brother owned an ad agency. I told him I was looking to move to a college town so my wife could get her degree. And uh, so he sent a note to his friend. His friend sent a note to his brother. Next thing you know, I got a call from uh, Harold Flint that started the, yeah. the Flint Group. Yeah. And uh, came over here and interviewed. And uh, after one interview or two interviews, didn't hear anything, didn't hear anything. And one night I'm sitting at home and I'm typing out a letter. And as I'm typing, dear Mr. Flint, the phone rings. 
and it was him on the phone offering no. me a job. So it's like, wow, that was kind of a weird circumstance. So what was but the job that you got there at first? So I started as a as a junior account exec. Okay. Uh, coming into uh, coming into uh, at that time called H. Uh, Harold Flint Associates, and exchange, names have changed a little bit over the years. Um, so uh, came in as that, and uh, nine, fall of 1976, and been. Uh, with the idea that I'd be here for a couple of years and let my wife finish school and move on. And I just, like I said, I fell in love with the, the business, fell in love with the people I was working with and the clients. So That's really cool how uh, networking really came into play there. It is strange. You never know. You never yeah. know where your best lead is going to come from. Yeah. So, like, what is Flint Communication for the people listening? Yeah, well, Flint Communications, uh, actually now Flint Group, when we actually have um, a number of companies, we have Flint Group, uh, a company called Ad Farm that does nothing but agricultural advertising, and we've got a couple of research firms, Media Productions does uh, AV and event management areas. So we've got a number of, of companies, maybe nine business units now under our, our umbrella. Flint Group is one most people would relate to here in Fargo. We're an advertising agency, a marketing communications mm-hmm. company more so than just advertising. And uh, so we've about, uh, a Flint Group has about 80 some people, offices in Duluth and here, people located in Minneapolis. And uh, so we work with uh, clients, you understand, like Blue Cross Blue Shield, Bobcat, Alaris Financial, Agco equipment, a uh, number of uh, local and international national companies. That's that's pretty cool how big it is now. Like how how was it like when you first started? And yeah, there's there like only thirteen people. Thir- right? Thirteen people, <laughs> and you uh, kind of had to be the jack of all trades, which yeah, which right. actually was pretty good. And for where I ended up now as as kind of the leader uh, of the organization. Uh, I got to learn how to play almost every key on the piano because <laughs> you know I was account exec, but I was also looking at the books, doing right. the, managing the company. I was involved in the creative department. I did some copywriting. I mean, you, you back then, you could kind of take on and do little bits of almost everything. Yeah. Today, not possible. I mean, there's, there's so many variables in our business today that, you know, the digital people are experts in the digital area. The, the web design people are experts in the web design, you know. So, yeah. no, there's no way any, you can't be the jack of all trades anymore in this business. How long did it take you, like, really get comfortable in the industry then? You know, since I came from a smaller agency and moved here, I was pretty comfortable moving in. Um, the biggest part probably was meeting the clients who were here. If you're getting right. comfortable with the clients, or more more important, getting them comfortable with me, uh, and not uh, not making a mess out of things and losing clients. So uh, that took a while. I mean, you you yeah. kind of go nice nice softly into the businesses and and uh, learn more about them. So it was a learning process to learn about all those clients. So, so would you say that was like a big, a big uh, obstacle for you to get over was meeting the clients and trying to get acquainted with them? Yeah, I would. I would say that the anybody. I mean, in 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 our business coming in is we have so many different types of clients that we work for. So, you know, to get to know the construction business at Bobcat, get to know the agricultural business, to know enough about the financial world, to know enough about the healthcare world, you have to know a little bit, not everything, but a lot about each of those businesses in order to market them. Now, what you really, what we bring to the table, though, is the communication side of it, Mm -hmm. right? We know how to reach audiences. We know how to build the messages Right, but you still have to understand their business Mm -hmm. to put those two together. So the obstacle of learning a new business every time you get a new client uh, is probably the biggest challenge. So you talked about like how you started out in that position when you early on in the years, like 
How did you make your way to becoming the CEO of the company? Um, you know, um, 1976, I think it was uh, early 80s that um, three of us uh, went to Mr. Flint and offered to buy the company. Oh, okay. uh, he was um, probably about the age I am now, somewhere in there. And uh, he kind of laughed when we brought it into him, and he said, "It's about time you guys came in." <laughs> and uh, it was presented on a presented on a little eight and a half by eleven notebook piece of paper. He signed it, handed it back, and that easy, and huh? that was that was kind of that. Not much negotiations after that. And so another guy, one of the three of us uh, that bought it, one of them became the CEO, and uh, he had some health problems right away in the beginning. So within eighteen months after buying it, he stepped down, retired, and uh, I became the CEO at. I think the ripe old age of 32 or somewhere wow, in there. That's yeah, that's pretty impressive. cool. So a CEO, a CEO obviously has a lot of uh, responsibilities. What like do you think are the most important or like the hardest ones for you? Well, I, you ask a good question because uh, uh, as my son takes over as CEO, it's kind of the same things I've been trying to sit down and talk to him about. But yeah. I, th- I think the hardest thing is people. Uh, you know, I, I say hard. It's also the most fun. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, the variety of uh, employees that are there, the change we've seen in employees, the change of what employees bring, or, you know, uh, uh, associates bring to the table. Uh, today, we're much more specialized. So you bring people in that are no digital or no web designer, no if they're pure creative or they're pure writers. Uh, back in the, when I was there, we were hiring people a little more more skilled, general skills, yeah. and not so specific. Uh, so that's been a... a a change for me uh, over the years uh, that are there, but then the culture around that because you we have moved from, you know, one type of employee to another. Now you got cultural things that and trying to keep a culture with those values, you know, that I truly believe is the root of base of any organization, and not have them waver uh, uh, from the employees that you bring in. I think is the one thing a CEO always has to keep their eye on, mm-hmm. always. So how do you go about handling like critical business decisions when they arise? Um, you know, I th- the biggest advice I learned from someone else, and, and as you go along, is surround your pe- yourself with the yeah. smartest people in the room that can deal with any decision that's there. And it might be a different group. It's every time a different decision comes up, uh, is bring the smartest people in the room that can deal with a situation listen to what they have to say, listen intently, um, and then if you can't come to a group consensus decision, then as a CEO, you've got to make the decision. And then you've got to tell them why you've made that decision and make sure that everybody is on the same page Mm -hmm. uh, when that happens. But uh, I don't think any organization is going to survive um, or thrive, probably a better word, if every decision has to be made by one person at the top. Right. You have to use your team. Your team, that's why you hire them. Hire people smarter than you are. You're going to be better <laughs> off. Everyone's got good ideas and they, they exactly. need to be heard. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Um, with how big the company is now, how do you effectively communicate to, to everyone? Yeah, it, and that, that is like a... Keeping tabs on everyone. Yeah, that that's... Um, that has an organizational uh, factor to it. Is uh, every one of our business units today has a president, okay. right? So and uh, so they it, it did answer into me as mm-hmm. CEO, and now they answer into our new CEO. But as long as you have a trickle down right. or a trickle up yeah. uh, messaging process in place, uh, every one of our our presidents have town hall meetings 
uh, on a monthly basis with all their employees uh, and talking about where we are as a company, what's going well, what's not going well, what we can improve on. Um, so you have to have a, a communications uh, system in your organization, uh, and, it, and it does have to evolve with yeah. the company, you know, uh, we use a lot of uh, a lot of social uh, online stuff right. uh, that we probably wasn't there when I started 13 years ago. Nobody even knew what the word online meant. <laughs> uh, so um, we use it a lot. Uh, we trickle. Like I can say we bring them in. We have a lot of meetings, cultural type meetings in the organization, and mm-hmm. we're very transparent. Very transparent of where we are, what's happening as a company, and try to answer those questions ahead of time instead of after the fact. That's cool. So you mentioned culture. How is the company's culture different now than than it was way back in when it had 13 employees? Well, I promised I wouldn't mention the word millennial, but they do have a change. Uh, you know, it I, I would say not as much as, if you really look at the whole picture, not as much. I mean, our value systems, we've changed some of the wording in our values, but they basically mean about the same thing, yeah. but they're in more modern-day terms and a little more uh, friendly uh, than the old one-line values that were in place. Um, We live with two basic areas. One, be the person you want to work with is on everybody's desk. Be the person you want to work with. Um, And then uh, family first has been something I started back in 1978, and it's still there, uh, still is a motto. And we tell people, you know, if, if you've got a family thing going on, you'll find somebody internally to cover your work. Go do it. Uh, so that that is that has uh, been a there since day one. Uh, a lot of the team structure has been there since day one. So I would say overall, yeah, it evolves. But if you really look at the base of our culture, based on our value system, we still really, even though we're you know close to 200 employees now, okay. I still think we have a pretty good family feel to the organization. That's got to be pretty welcoming to your new employees. Yeah, I mean, uh, you mentioned interns. You know, we have a number of interns every every semester, and we try to keep them uh, involved in the business, learn as much about our business. And uh, when it's over, we usually end up with a couple couple of them staying on and working uh, as we move forward. So uh, uh, that's a good testament. If they intern with us and then they want to stay, that makes me feel good. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, that's cool. Um, What's the... Typical day in the life of Roger Ryerson. <laughs> well, uh, boy, it's evolved um, so so much over the years. Um, there was a time when my day was, you know, eight to ten hours a day doing nothing but client work, writing marketing plans, writing communications plans, meeting with clients, presenting creative, uh, going to sales meetings, and that took up. And then at, you know, on the weekends or ten o'clock at night, you'd be doing the business part of the yeah. business, right? Uh, so over the years, as, as we've grown, the, the client side became a little less and the business side and the managing employees and all that became a lot more, uh, part of my, part of my business. Now that I've transitioned and we've hired, you know, over the years, a, a, a chief financial officer, an HR director, a lot of that stuff mm-hmm. now falls back on them. And I've been able to move right. back more into the yeah. client side of things, which has been, which has been a lot of fun. And you like that better? Yeah, you know, why wouldn't you? (laughs) You're sitting with clients and helping them sell their product and build communications plans. And, you know, I always say there's it's win-win and lose-lose with our clients. Mm. If they win, we win. If they lose, we lose, right? And so uh, our whole goal is 
in my philosophy, the whole goal is our job is to make our clients successful. And the more we can make them successful, you know, eventually that makes us successful. So uh, it's been a, you know, I love still working on the client. My job, work job now is more project orientated. I do a lot of strategic planning for, for clients and companies. Um, and uh, so that's been kind of a, a fun new process for me. Well, wow, that's, that's awesome. So, like, what's the travel like for when you're uh, seeing clients? Like, are you gone very much? or is it in like- the Yeah, in the early days, I was, um, it, you know, when, when I started, most of our clients were local, and that evolved over the years. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I, I did a lot of travel for clients probably in the middle uh, of this uh, career, if you want to call it that. And then uh, later... Uh, as we opened offices in Calgary and Toronto and Sacramento and St. Louis and Kansas City, my travel became more to our our business units. Yep. Okay. And I tried to get to each one of them at least every other month. So okay. when you got eight, nine of them out there that you got to travel to, that travel started to uh, to mount up um, that is there. Um, so that now has been handed over to uh, other people in the organization. Yep. So. Yep. Uh, my travel is back doing a little more client travel yeah. and uh, a little more uh, travel for my own pleasure. Oh, yeah, yeah. Did you say your son was going to be? Yeah, my son uh, has been uh, in the organization now, I think, for 13 years. He's been our chief operating officer for the last three years. Okay. So this was kind of a planned yeah. deal, right, whatever. Right. And I, I tell everybody, I said, I don't know if I was ready to really <laughs> um, step down as CEO, but he was ready yeah. to become a CEO. So he's uh, going to... And I, to be honest with you, I think he fits today's world more than I do. I'm still managing a place like there's only 25 people <laughs> hanging around. Yeah. And uh, he has brought some very organized uh, directional stuff to the company that I think is going to help it grow and go into the future. That has to be cool to see where he takes. Yeah, it. yeah. Very proud proud of him and yeah. the work he's done. And uh, so uh, I keep telling him, I said, my whole goal is you know, to continue to work less, but I hope he keeps paying me. <laughs> <laughs> so do you help with hiring? Not anymore, not much. Um, I help maybe at I, when I was CEO I had, at the high end. So any of our business unit presidents would fall under me, our CFO would fall under me, our HR director, uh, all of those hires uh, I was involved in. Uh, today, of course, I, I won't be uh, as much. So my job today will be, you know, Managing as executive chairman, mm-hmm. chairman of the board, managing uh, CEO and CFO more fall into my my climb. So, in the future, no, I probably won't have to worry too much about hiring much of anybody. Have you ever had bad employees that you had to deal with? Oh yeah, that really yeah. stick out to you. How'd you deal with them then? Yeah, well, um, <laughs> well, you know. You got you got it. The old Barney Fife. If you guys probably remember Andy of Mayberry, he always used to say, "You got to nip it in the bud." <laughs> and uh, so I think that's kind of been the culture of what we have. Is you know um, you don't get too many strikes in our organization uh, on either behavioral, uh, ethical, uh, or just plain not being able to do their job. Now, there's differences in there, right? If we put somebody in the wrong place and they're just not the right person for their job, doesn't mean they're the a bad person, right? Yeah. We could find someplace else in the organization or help them find a place that they're going to survive in the future because mm-hmm. uh, they may be really good people just in the wrong position, right? Yeah. Then there are those that are 
just outside of our culture. They're doing business the way we don't like to Mm -hmm. do business. And uh, those are the ones you have to you make sure that uh, they move on in a hurry mm-hmm. and uh, and hopefully they end up in a place that's good for them yeah. and uh, you know uh, you never want to ruin the culture no there. no and we don't want to and we don't want anybody's yeah. life to be uh, turned upside yeah. down we yeah. hope they all land someplace fun yeah well, go ahead I was just gonna say like when you were talking about ethical um, decisions like have you ever had to make like a very serious ethical decision that you can yeah remember? we have i mean yeah. we've we've had uh, clients um that have asked us to do things that are outside of our values mm-hmm. um and uh, so we uh we meet about them talk to the people involved and we've probably resigned um i would say at least a half a dozen clients that i off the top of my head probably even a few more just that from like ethically that. didn't fit the way we would do business yep. and just said, look, we, we wish you luck, but we can't work with you anymore. So we've had to do that uh, a few times uh, in place. Um, and some of them hurt. Some of them were some pretty nice clients, big clients. I believe that. And, uh, but you know, the decisions that you don't ever regret, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. when it's over. Mm-hmm. So let's get in like the market, marketing part of it. <clears throat> Are you involved with like social media marketing and advertising? Oh yeah, yeah. In fact, uh, you know, over the years, that's probably the somebody had asked me the biggest transition in the last five years. Who would be the digital and social media right. aspect of our business? You know, we've probably gone from uh, five or ten years ago, five percent of our business today, probably it's a third of our business really? is social media or digital orientated, and so that has been the biggest change. And now um, the bigger not bigger, but the next phase of the whole thing is this whole area of data management and how to use uh, analytics uh, from the data that we learn Mm -hmm. and how to use that to be even better and better serving our clients and spending our clients' dollars much more effectively today. Um, Ogilvy, uh, the guru of advertising back, used to say, um, we know that 50, we know 50% of our advertising works. We just don't know which 50%. Yeah. Today, that doesn't work. Today, we are continually, almost on a weekly basis, changing uh, messaging and changing where we're putting our media based on what's getting the best results. And so dashboards come out on a regular basis, our analytics team. We're hiring as many people in data and analytics today as we are in the creative world. So that's how our business has changed quite dramatically in the last five years. That's Wow, wow, yeah, that's cool. Um, yeah, we're making our way towards the 30 minute mark. That's all we okay. have time for. But what, what advice would you give us as we make our way into the business world? You know, I, I, I talk to people about, um, I have a kind of a top 10 thing I go through when I speak at classes and speak in other places. But I think the, the bottom line there is every single person has opportunity put in front of them at some time in their life right? The people that really grab it, that get it, are the people know it's there, right? And then grab onto it. Mm -hmm. And so opportunities come along and you may not know even there, may not be paying attention to it, but it's the people that recognize the opportunity and then make the decision to to go with it, I think, are the people that are are really happy. So I think think as a a student, especially as, as you graduate, you'll be 
putting opportunities in front of you and make sure that you're exploring them and looking at each one of them and make sure you know it's when it's an opportunity. You know, the, a good example, I'm down in Arizona following my golf career and I get a phone call from a guy who said, hey, you want to come up? I need a business manager for my small ad agency. And I'm, and I'm down there and I made the decision. I saw the opportunity and I said, I'm out of here. I, that was on a Friday. I left on Monday. Really? And, uh, you know, if I hadn't taken advantage of that, and thought, well, I'll wait a bit and see what happens. Who knows where I'd be today, yeah. right? So recognize those opportunities and, and, and take advantage of them or know which ones to take advantage of, I think, uh, is so important uh, because there's a lot of opportunities out there. Yeah. And jumping at the first one that comes along or jumping at one you are not don't have the passion for may not be the right mm-hmm. choice. Mm-hmm. Well, Thank you. That's that's great advice. Thank you for coming in today. Oh, thank you guys. Good yeah. luck with this. Well, yeah. it's kind of a cool project. Our teacher did it for the first time, so we're the guinea pigs. But it seems like an awesome, awesome deal that she has us doing. All right. Thank you. All right. Thank you guys. Thank you. Good luck to you. <laughs>